Teacher Vet is a podcast about topics in veterinary medicine. Though we strive to provide research-based information, it is not intended to be used as medical advice. So if Fido is feeling sick, be sure to take him to your vet. Trust us, they know what they are doing. Hi, I'm Jacob Vockler, and I'm the teacher. Hi, I'm Amanda Vockler, and I'm the vet. And you're listening to Teacher Teacher Vet. Vet. Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode five. Uh, Before we get too far in, I just have some things, uh, housekeeping things that we're going to do right up front. And then uh, we're going to watch Amanda go because she is (laughs) she is super heated about today's topic. But first of all, we'll we'll apologize for being a little. uh, Are we ghosting people? Is that what we're calling it? (laughs) Let's call it absent for a week. Ghosting would be if we just stopped coming around altogether. Yeah. Yeah, we uh, one of the housekeeping items was going to be apologizing for not being around last week. Boy, our household has been something else, mm-hmm. hasn't it? Yeah, <laughs> we, Who, uh, we we had this random cold that oh. like would not go away from anyone in our household, and yeah, we, we all gave it to each other because mm-hmm. you know sharing is caring. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's we, what happens when you have a two year old coughing yes. in your face. Yes. Yeah, so we tried like crazy to get rid of it, and it just stuck around for a really long time. We weren't feeling very good. We went out of town tr- to try and enjoy our our 4th of July a little bit, and and boy, that was miserable. I'd rather do anything than, than try and sleep on that cold floor again with a cold. Yeah. That wasn't fun. And then, uh, and then, like I said on the Instagram and the Facebook, Stranger Things 3 is out right now, and uh, we probably could have <laughs> recorded something, even feeling miserable, but I mean... Come on, it's pretty crazy. But it right was now. way easier to just sit on the couch and watch Stranger Things and <laughs> cough up a lung and, and recover a little and bit and recover. Yeah. So, yeah. Oh. Hey, but <laughs> with that said, here we are. Right. Apologize for missing a week. We're gonna do our best to try and be weekly because uh, I know as a podcast consumer, that's my favorite. I, I can't wait for my podcasts to come out on the day that they always come out. And so we're gonna do our best to keep weekly and. Uh, we're, we're back on track. So next couple of things of uh, housekeeping. Uh, Amanda, we're pretty cool. I don't know if you know that. Are we? Yeah. We got a we got a review uh, on Apple Podcasts. Oh, did we? Yeah. The coolest part about it is I don't think we know this person. Like we got... <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't our mom. It wasn't mom. It wasn't <laughs> any of our parents. It wasn't... I, I don't believe it's even a friend. This wow. is like a genuine review from somebody we don't know. So that's pretty cool. So they give us a five-star review. They say, what a unique and cool concept. If you love history and animals, this podcast is a combination of both. The hosts, Amanda and Jacob, hey, that's us, share valuable (laughs) information, and they make it interesting and fun. It's clear that they both love their respective fields and will make you enjoy it as well. Keep up the great work. So that is from uh, Lucky Magnet on Apple uh, Podcasts. So cool review. Well, thanks for the review. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you can't let something go by without a little bit of self-promotion there or begging in this scenario. <laughs> hey, give us a review. It really does help uh, for people who are looking at, at podcasts. It can help to see people reviewing them and uh, and having a little blip about about what uh, what you like about it or whatever. So if you have the time and to spare and uh, you, you'd like it, give us a review. We'd really appreciate it. Even if it's mom's, we'll take the review from you as well. <laughs> My mom already reviewed us. <laughs> no, I, I didn't see. Oh, she, gave us, she gave us a Facebook recommendation. Yeah. That's pretty cool. I'll take that too. So we, uh, but yeah, so that was cool. And another thing, we're almost, this feels a little sad. We're almost at a hundred Instagram followers. <laughs> Woo. I, I, hey, that's more than I thought we'd get though. <laughs> if, if anybody's been with us since episode one or introduction episode we always said, and we've joked already, our moms or our parents are going to be the only ones that listen to this. But uh, we have quite a few Instagram followers, so that's pretty cool. So we're almost at 100. So if you're listening and you're on Instagram and you haven't followed us, what the heck are you doing? Why yeah. are you not following us? <laughs> it's a pretty fun Instagram. We try and do some cool stuff. My my goal is to post more than just episode stuff, right? So I'm, I'm trying to be better about that. I'm not mm-hmm. an Instagrammer very much. I, I waste a little bit more time than I should being productive and posting stuff, but uh, we're gonna. There's some pretty cool stuff out there. We we share some funny stuff, but we're gonna do better about getting some more funny stuff out there for everybody. Hey, so with that said, a uh, couple of things before we get into this week's episode. Um, we are in the middle of a of a short little series. What's the series on? 
Nutrition. Nutrition, right? Now, a lot of a lot of my thought process when we first started talking about this was not very many people are going to be interested about this. But after we dropped raw food diet, we had another record number of listens in a single day. So mm. there is some interest out there, which is pretty cool. Number one and number two, we just <laughs> we just recently had a family party and. Everybody wanted to talk to you about the new nutrition stuff coming out by the FDA. It's clearly interesting to people, right? Yeah. So uh, we're going to continue that today a little bit. The um, quick review last week, we talked about raw diet. Like I said, if you haven't listened to that episode, go give it a listen. It, we're going to build on that a little bit today, talking about um, grain-free stuff. But uh, talking a little bit about the history about raw diets, about why people feed their animals raw diets, and, and the crazy uh, arguments that people have there. We debunk the, the wolf theory, and uh, some of our Instagram posts talk about that this last week. Uh, pugs are not wolves, and they are not even close to wolves, right? No. So if you don't know what we're talking about, go back last week, give us a listen, and, uh, and then you'll be able to get caught up. You can absolutely listen to today's episode. Without listening to raw diet, that's it's that's true. totally fine. But this one is going to kind of build on it a little bit, or at least add to it. Mm -hmm. Fair enough. Yeah. Awesome. Hey, um, with that said, last week I was I was way off, and I gotta I gotta correct myself. I don't think I need to go back to my 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 caveman basics, like I kept saying at the <laughs> beginning of last week. I think I think you're right. We should cook our food, but there's one thing that I just can't get over. All this wheat and gluten and stuff. I think I'm. I think I'm celiacs. No, you're not. I'm not. Carbs but are like your favorite, <laughs> so you <laughs> you can't. <laughs> no. So side note: when I was nursing, I had to go gluten free, right? For how many weeks? It was like three, four weeks. It was like the longest three weeks of my life. Yeah, I remember yeah. every moment. That's why terrible. I think I'm celiac because I think that I benefited from that. And everybody else is celiac too. So Yeah, no. We anyway. didn't find any benefits that didn't help with our baby, you know, at the time yeah. or her, all of her colic issues. And yeah. then it just made Jake more cranky having to <laughs> cut out on his gluten. <laughs> And I didn't even cut out all the way. I totally cheated you when didn't. you weren't around. <laughs> I supported you're you. You're so supportive. I support you 100% when you're with me. But, like, if you're not in the car and I'm hungry, McDonald's, here I come. <laughs> so, all right. So, all jokes aside, that's why we joke about grain freeze. If you don't medically need it, then why what are, why are people doing it? Well, because if, if everybody else is doing it, it's, then why shouldn't I do it? Mm -hmm. right? it's, all, I was, it's like I'm high school Bandwagon. again. It's all the cool kids. Right? <laughs> all right. Cheesy cheesy intro aside. Here we go. Right? So we're going to talk about grain-free today. Right? Mm -hmm. And then uh, uh, basically the, the outline is uh, you're going to tell us what grain-free is, which is pretty simple. I'm going to give some history behind the grain-free diet. And then I'm going to let you just vent because, boy, is your blood pressure super high this last week, isn't it? <laughs> I've talked about it a lot. Yeah. So it's a big topic. So I know about it. Yeah. So let's go into it, right? So what's grain-free? Tell us what it is so at least we have a baseline of knowledge. Of what grain-free is. So grain-free dog food in particular is just meaning that it doesn't contain corn, wheat, rice, soy, or barley. Okay, simple as that, right? Simple. Mm -hmm. So they just cut that out. Mm -hmm. And then they substitute for other things. Yeah. And they use, usually as a carb, carb source, carbohydrate source, a lot of the foods are using uh, legumes, peas, mm -hmm. lentils, or potatoes. Okay. So this is their argument for, we're getting rid of the grain, but there's still a nutritional there's, need there's, that grains provide. Yes. So we're going to do that with this other ingredient. Mm -hmm. Okay. For some piece. Mm -hmm. All right. Fair enough. I get fair that. Enough. It makes sense. So, sure. All right. It's kind of simple. Yeah. I don't have much else to say other than that's what grain free <laughs> is. No, that's fine. I, I think it's important to like, we've talked about when we, when we're talking about the design of each episode, it's really hard for us to say we're, we have people listening who are, at current veterinarians and we have mm -hmm. people listening who have an animal and they're interested in their dog's health. Yeah. Right. And so there's, so you have to make sure that you kind of cover all your bases. And so, well, yeah. which can be 
hard, but I think it's important to make sure that we have all those covered. So, mm-hmm. so there's grain free, right? Mm-hmm. So now my job, let's talk about why or not why, but the history of grain free. What started grain free? Yeah, what started grain free? Uh, I did find some record of grain free dog foods in in 1920s, 1930s, small and insignificant. Uh, th- to my knowledge, there's no record as to why people created these grain free dog foods. The one thing I can catch was. There is a small chance that some dogs have a grain, uh, have an issue with grains in their foods, right? Mm-hmm. Like so, so like gluten intolerance for humans. Yes, that there's something similar in animals, right? Mm-hmm. Good. When you're talking uh, mid 1900s, there was some record of some grain free foods, but there was really no record of saying why, right? Yeah, I'm gonna make a guess. Some scientist somewhere made it, took a shot in the dark saying, maybe grains are making your dog feel sick, you know, whatever. But that's as much as we know. What we do know and what's very well recorded is when the shift to grain free started um, in starting in, in the 2000s and up to today. Okay, mm-hmm. So starting back in 2007, we have a large dog food recall that was uh, caused by contaminated grain that was sent to uh, that was sent here from China, actually, right? Mm-hmm. So it all started actually back in September of 2006. There's a Las Vegas, there's a company based in Las Vegas called Chem Nutra. They received a, a contaminated shipment of wheat gluten from China. Now this wheat gluten, I, there were several chemicals that were found in this wheat gluten all of them being essentially poisonous to animals. Chem Nutra didn't know at the time that they that they bought it from these people in China. And there were conflicting reports on, on who knew what when. Um, but for the most part, most people say that neither party truly knew that this was contaminated wheat gluten. And it was just a typical interaction between this company from China to this company in Las Vegas, right? Mm-hmm. So that was September 2006. It was then distributed to several major dog food production companies, um, one of the biggest ones being Menu Foods, which is a, a Canadian company. And then um, from there, they are distributing it mostly all throughout the country. And again, there were conflicting reports on what they knew and when they knew it. But one thing that they noticed was the the animals that they were feeding it to for for their trials, for nutrition trials and things, mm-hmm. started to pass away pretty quickly. They started getting sick and dying. And at one point, they had 17% of all of their test subjects pass away in oh. all, like an overnight kind of scenario. So they shut down production immediately, and they did an immediate recall on all of their food. They didn't really know why at the point, but they knew something was bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, they sent a bunch of a uh, bunch of samples to get tested by a couple of different universities, and then uh, lots of these large uh, major major dog food companies nationwide then start to do recalls as well knowing that that they bought they this bought product it. from this company and 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 it's just become a big problem well they find out that this contaminated wheat is the reason and they find out the source and they track it back in the end there are going to be this was another one there were some conflicting reports on it but there were there ended up being thousands of animals that are going to die from from con- from eating this contaminated wheat gluten that mm-hmm. was in their their dog food that these animals probably wouldn't have died um otherwise and so it's it's a pretty tragic tragic event in yeah, 2007 that's super sad. and why this is talked about is that from there grain free becomes a big conversation the fear of this happening again is is, is a very reasonable conversation to have mm-hmm. uh, you know do dogs need grains that was a big conversation that people start bringing up and so there's a school of thought that no they don't so if they don't need grains then why are we putting them at risk for this i'm not saying they don't i'm saying this was the thought process then mm-hmm. and still still they, is <laughs> they need grains yeah <laughs> we'll talk about that um so the school of thought saying, well, if they don't need grains, then why are we putting them at risk? Why are we buying this wheat gluten from China that could be tainted again and we could lose these thousands of, of animals? And so let's just not risk it. And so you start to see a big growth in the grain-free market. Mm-hmm. So starting in 2011, they have a report of of the grain-free market being 0.9 million 
um, cells in a year that grows between between 2011 2016 that'll grow to a three million dollar a year sales which three million dollars is is a lot of money but when we talked last week the dog food market is huge right three mm-hmm. million is actually pretty insignificant compared to to the whole big picture but that's a it's a growth of uh, times three right in, in just a five-year time frame yeah that's a big jump it's a very big jump um today to jump even further so between 2016 and today, I don't have the numbers for how much is sold, uh, like how many dollars, right, right that they make. Mm-hmm. But we do know that today, grain-free food will consist of about 50% of the dog food market. Which is crazy. Which is super crazy, right? All right, so there's the history of the grain-free. Some other factors that are important to talk about helps answer the why, okay? Mm-hmm. Why, okay, uh, wheat... That's contaminated from China and people freak out. Okay, there's a why there, but there's a really interesting why to me. And it's all, it's actually humans. And we're not going to talk about dog history right now. We're going to talk about human history. Also in the mid 2000s is this big push for low carb food, right? And so you ever hear the Atkins? Carbs are bad. Carbs are bad. I'm now but carb- delicious. I'm now I'm now carb free because my gluten intolerance. So I do know that they're bad. So, by the way, I'm not making fun of people with gluten intolerance. I I feel for you. I'm sorry. Carbs are amazing. Um, <laughs> so you ever hear the Atkins diet before? Yeah. Okay. So the Atkins diet, very simple, right? Low to no carbs, mm-hmm. and and just like today with the keto diet, right? Yeah. It's, it's pretty much the same thing. Okay. Mm-hmm. Low to no carbs. Um, that one became huge in the early 2000s. So carbs and grains are pretty much hand in hand. Am I right? Mm-hmm. So there was kind of a growing feel of carbs and grains being no, no, right? You should get rid of them, get them out of your diet. The general public as a whole believe this to be a good idea. And then they're not necessarily wrong. I would say as a whole, we are pretty heavy with the carb <laughs> yeah. With the carb world, <laughs> we probably have too much in, in a lot of areas. Uh, but, probably. It's, but it's no, true. it is a given, <laughs> not <laughs> but a problem. Medically speaking, other than other than oh, being overweight, medically speaking, there's not a lot to say that, that grains and carbs are bad for you as a whole. Yeah, you just when, have to. In moderation. And the right. The right kinds, right? Mm-hmm. So, anyway, so in the late 90s, 2000s, Atkins diet blows up. People are big into the low to no carbs. Then you get a big, at the same time, you get a big push for gluten-free. That becomes a big fad. 1% of the of the American population is actually gluten intolerant, right? Mm-hmm. But 30% say that they're on a gluten-free diet. When study after study after study has proven that if you don't have a gluten intolerance, other than weight reasons for the most part, there's really not that big of a benefit to a gluten-free diet. Yeah. So... What we would call this, right? We being you and I and most normal people, it's a fad for the most part. So gluten-free diets, um, these grain-free or or low-carb pushes, these are very fad kind Mm -hmm. of fad um, diets or ideas kind of at their core. Not to say that there's not some sort of benefit in some way, shape, or form Mm -hmm. to a certain percent of the population and things like that. But for the most part, it's a fad. The growth of the human population um, cutting out grains and carbs and things builds simultaneously with the animal uh, grain-free diets, right? Mm-hmm. So now you are going to help answer a very simple question. What's anthropomorphism? Anthropomorphism is putting, um, attributing human characteristics onto an animal or an object. And so in our case, we're talking about animals, obviously yeah. not objects. And yeah. so... Essentially putting human characteristics onto our pets, yep. onto yeah. our animals. To be fair, it can also be any kind of other object. So it could be yeah. like a, an inanimate object or even like a god mm-hmm. of some sort and things yeah. like that. Is, yeah. Mm-hmm. So anthropomorphism, the reason why I bring that up is that is, I'm, I'm going to say this is more my opinion, 100% my opinion. And okay, that's that's a lie. This is my opinion (laughs) and about a thousand other people's opinions, most of which are uh, veterinarians who have written (laughs) articles about this thing or have been interviewed about it, that that people are are changing their diet and for for various reasons. In this scenario, we're talking about 
grain-free, low-carb, right, gluten-free, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. People are changing their diet and they say, well, if it's good for me or if I like it or if it helps me or whatever the scenario. It tastes good. It tastes good or whatever. (laughs) Then it's got to be good for the dog or it's got to be good for my cat or whatever. And so we put the characteristics of, of what's good for us or what we think is good for us as humans onto our pet. Mm-hmm. Whether that's scientifically based or not, doesn't matter, mm-hmm. right? And so they're anthropomorphizing. They're saying it's good for me, so it's good for them. So we're going to change their diet too. And and most people are arguing that that's exactly what's happening because, as you're going to talk about, the 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 science just doesn't really back up grain free, mm-hmm. and and even in humans for the most part, unless you're one of the small percentage of the that, population yeah. that needs it, have a grain so. intolerance. You know, even as we touched on it with the raw food diet, people are very passionate about their animals' nutrition in particular to the, you know, what they are feeding their their pet. And that's a common question that I ask everyone, you know, especially the first time I meet their animal or if their animal's sick, even for a healthy wellness visit. I ask, what food is your dog on? Yeah. And all the time... Even in the last three years, I've had, well, it's grain-free. They don't know what the name brand of the brand is. They don't know any of that, but it's grain-free, so it's good. So we're good. We're good. And that's literally what people say. Well, it's grain-free, so it's good food. <laughs> and, you know, Says all who? the time, then I kind of, like, hide my eye roll. And I say under my breath, well, you know, grain-free isn't really medically necessary in all in all yeah. cases. Yeah. So, and this is actually something that in the last three years has, has gotten some notice, um, you know, by the FDA. So yeah, is, is there a medical need for grain-free diets in our pets? No, there's not. Um, a lot of people will argue and say online that dogs are carnivores It's actually not the case. What we have found is dogs are omnivores and they do need carbohydrates in their diet. And they actually can, yeah, they need that to break down and and make essential nutrients within their body. But they're descendants of wolves, right? Or did we debunk that last week? We debunked that. So as far as, you know, there is a very small percentage of animals that will react to certain grains but the majority of food allergies are actually to the protein source. And gluten technically is a protein mm-hmm. of what we see. It's a wheat. It's a protein um, found within wheat. And there are some food hypersensitivities or food intolerances that some animals can experience from that, humans and dogs alike. But it's probably a similar percentage it's, to humans. Yeah, it's, it's very, very rare. Um the more common food intolerances are the proteins found in beef, soy, and dairy, even, you know, chicken. And those are the more common protein sources in a lot of dog foods that are out on the market. So that's the main conversation that I have with people. Well, if we're thinking about a food allergy or something like that, we actually need to look at the protein, not necessarily all the time the grain. Because the protein is what they're most, like, most likely reacting to if they're yeah. having a reaction to their food. Yeah. In small cases, though, there are some that yeah. might react to the grain or mm-hmm. the wheat, different things like that. So it's possible, but not all the time is is very common. And <clears throat> in my research and what I what I have found, there is a disorder that is called gluten induced enteropathy, which is similar to celiac disease in humans. Um, but this is a malabsorption disorder, and it's a very strong genetic link and so it's really only found in one breed specifically which is uh, purebred irish setters so so this is super rare it's like super rare and only really found really in one yeah. breed specifically and it's possible to have other you know skin rashes and things like that sucks but to be that breed <laughs> <laughs> you're the one that's picked out so yeah Again, not not medically sound. Um, and again, a big thing that I tell people, it, it's just been a big fad and a big marketing ploy by a lot yeah. of these dog food companies. And I think they 
they saw it as an opportunity and so they they caught on and there's a lot of money in the pet food industry and so they jumped on that bag bandwagon and wanted yep. to get part of that what's well, i mean cow. it's happening in humans too uh-huh. we're at a grocery store today any normal grocery store there's there's a full aisle of gluten-free Mm-hmm. Right, and, and not to say that it and shouldn't good be there. And it's for good for that, you know, for it's those good for that, that need portion it. It's of the a good resource. I'm not saying that it shouldn't be there, but but the reality is, is if if only one percent need it, mm-hmm. right? It's it's more than one percent of the grocery store's you know room. Yeah. And 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 again, not that it's a bad thing, but it's that people see that there's money in the market, and yeah. so they're so they're gonna push forward a little bit more. The yeah. same thing with the with so, the animal food. Yep, and that's what we're seeing there. So. Yeah, I mean, our our main goal is to obviously, with our podcast, to cast awareness and educate, educate, and then you know. So hopefully, that's that's what you get out of this yeah. little little bit of information. Um, so to go along with more about the grain free thing and a lot of now the huge topic of conversation this last week week and a half is the uh, statement that was put out by the FDA. Um, but I don't trust the FDA because <laughs> they're sketchy. Right? They're just <laughs> they're just trying to create fear yeah. in, in all of us. I'm amazed. I know that you want to talk about it, but, but I'm amazed at how many people are just totally not listening. Yeah. Yeah, anyway. Well, and it's funny, you know, FDA will will put out a statement about E. coli in our lettuce and everyone listens to that, but they put out a statement about their dog's food and oh. whoa 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 don't mess with my dog's yeah. food. <laughs> it's totally different. Yeah. <laughs> so no, they're they're, you know, they're trying to put out an unbiased report. This was actually the the third report on on this specific topic of, of grain-free food. The first one was actually back in November of uh, 2018, and the second one was in February of 2019. This one, I think, has people more in an uproar because the FDA actually lists um, specific dog food brands. Calling them out. And, yeah, not and, you know, they're just noticing... They, they only put how many cases and and that they saw of a particular dog food brand of dogs with this heart disease called DCM. Mm-hmm. Um, DCM stands for dilated cardiomyopathy. In, in terms, that's a fancy word for a heart disease that dogs can get. It's more common in large breed dogs, particularly giant breed dogs such as Doberman Pinchers, Great Danes, Irish Wolfhounds, Newfies, and St. Bernard's. Mm-hmm. Um, there are some medium-sized breeds that are prone to it, um, like Cocker Spaniels, for one. But there are, you know, there is a genetic component that, that they are seeing, but they're noticing a correlation. And what they say, they only say a correlation between dogs that are on these grain-free diets and they're actually seeing an increased incidence in dogs that we normally don't see DCM and they are on these eating these grain-free diets. That's a really important point that I think that people probably don't get Mm -hmm. because a lot of times people will say correlation doesn't mean causation right no. so yeah so just because there's a correlation doesn't mean that it's the the reason that it's causing something right mm-hmm. and and sometimes that's true and then mm-hmm. to be fair but if it's if it's happening in animals or or breeds that it's not typical in, that's more than enough for I the average person to say, "Hold on, right? Let's mm-hmm. now let's talk about it." Yeah, I, I think it's enough to get to get our attention and definitely, you know, noticing a, a correlation. And they're not even necessarily saying just grain-free dog foods, but also these boutique exotic mm-hmm. type food diets that they're seeing a, a, a correlation. Yes, they are, you know, what they have said in their announcement is that they are still investigating to find the cause and what is the link. And there's a lot of speculation as there's a lot of factors probably yeah. involved in this as, you know, obviously genes being one of them. Mm-hmm. But also, yeah, I mean, is there a factor in the diet? 
Um, and it does break it down in as far as how many cases. And the, the crazy part to me is the number of cases that have been reported. In total, in this report, there were 524 cases of DCM reported. And this is from the time of January 2014 to April 30th of 2019. 220 of those were just reported from December 1st, 2018 to April 30th of 2019. So within a essentially a five-month yeah, five time span, mm-hmm. over nearly half of the cases were reported in that time. Wow. So huge increase. Yeah, huge. Of it. Big time. And I think there is a, something to be said that there's a big increase because of all these these other reports, these uh, reports put out by the FDA mm-hmm. um, in February and also back in November of last year, that it does, you know, create a little bit more awareness. Yeah. But there's a huge increase in grain-free dog foods that are being sold. And now all of a sudden this huge increase of DCM that we're yeah. seeing. Yeah. I think that's got my attention yeah. enough. You yeah, know. it should. Again, kind of to more go into dilated cardiomyopathy. I won't go into too much detail about it because I don't want to bore everyone. But essentially, dilated cardiomyopathy just affects the muscle um, of the heart. And what can happen is then the, the heart is not contracting or able to contract or pump blood effectively and can lead to congestive heart failure or a backup of fluid in in the chest um that then can potentially become fatal in that you know obviously the heart's not pumping effectively but then they get a backup of fluid in their lungs and they can't breathe sounds like a bad day it's bad yeah essentially or you know not to be super morbid but dogs can essentially drown internally So it's, it's a, not. What? Hold on. <laughs> you, you just introduced a whole new level of torture to me that I didn't know existed. Yeah. Drowning internally. So yeah. they're they like... got fluid in, in your lungs. And so it's internal what? drowning. Oh my gosh. <laughs> hey, is this like when you watch like a, like a doctor movie and they like shove the huge needle into the ribs of the people and all that fluid comes out? That's. Sometimes, because <laughs> they can get a fluid buildup around the lungs, but this, they sometimes can get fluid in the lungs. Okay, so I just have to know for myself, could you help relieve the pressure with some sort of procedure like that? If you had a dog that came into you with not chest pressure like that? Not if it's in the lungs. If it's oh. in the space around the lungs, then you can do the chest tube That would have been way cooler if you just said yes, but okay. <laughs> But that's you could. Okay, fr- it, that's why it's hard. If it's fluid outside of the lungs, could you do that? Yeah, and do you I know have how to before. do that. You have. Yeah, I've told you that I have. <laughs> you have. Yes. <laughs> I don't remember that. Don't story. you remember? Yeah. No. I've had some pretty intense emergencies <laughs> that have come in, and then I got to put in a chest tube and pulled out like almost a, a half liter of fluid oh. off this little dog's chest. I usually get really grossed out by this stuff, but for some reason... So you must pres- have blacked out. That, <laughs> yeah, I passed out, and then I woke up. <laughs> that procedure, for some reason, is really intriguing. It's kind of crazy. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so fluid in the lungs, you can't do anything about it. You can. Well, you mean, can give them medications but and you can't, like, heart meds and stuff. stick a huge tube needle down there no. and do anything. All right. No. Okay, fair enough. So Sorry, keep going. it can be pretty, pretty profound and pretty it's, bad yeah, and fatal sucks. and not good. Bad day. We need, we need our heart to function. <laughs> a little, yes. Just a little bit. How DCM is diagnosed is, is sometimes kind of complex. So it's not like some other heart conditions that I sometimes can hear a heart murmur that I listen with my stethoscope. Not all the time do you even hear a heart murmur with yeah. DCM. You usually don't. Um, but sometimes we can take a chest x-ray and we can see that the heart overall looks enlarged, but I can't diagnose DCM right off that x-ray. How you diagnose DCM is with an echocardiogram or an ultrasound of the heart. And so not all the time do I have the resources to actually diagnose it. 
because a lot of people don't have the money, number one, or the resources to be able to diagnose it. So a lot of times using our best judgment and my best doctor brain skills, we can try some medications to try and alleviate the symptoms, Mm -hmm. aka treat congestive heart failure and hope for the best. So is it reasonable to say that maybe, because I think, um, tell me if I'm totally wrong, some of the criticism of the FDA study has been that there's such a small amount of mm-hmm. of, of animals within the study who have been yeah. diagnosed, but you could probably argue just, just you, you yourself, one individual veterinarian mm-hmm. may have not been able to diagnose it simply because the owner didn't have the money, mm-hmm. and so... Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, yeah, that number does seem I, small, but you're, yeah. you can't diagnose all of them. I feel like there is a gross amount of cases that are underreported because of that situation. So the reality is, is that this problem could be much larger than even anybody's aware of Yeah. because of that reason. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because when you think about it, there's, so to get an echocardiogram or an ultrasound of the heart, at least in our area, that's around a $400 test. And not all the time do people have that, no, and nor do I judge them for that. Sure. It's, it's, yeah, that's a hearty amount of uh, money for a test that sometimes then we can try and essentially just treat the symptoms and yeah. treat it as if it were DCM. And then we can get them a little bit out of heart failure and, and get them back to, yeah. to functioning a little bit, right. um, in a world where they, I mean, they say the average American right now is two paychecks away from bankruptcy, mm-hmm. right? If you were unemployed for, for essentially a month for, for most people, right? That would put them in a position of basically not being able to, yeah. to afford anything. Mm-hmm. So to add a $400 expense to the average American's bill for the one month, most off, more often than not, they're and just going to say, just that, that's just not including the, the exam or medications or anything else. It could be a thousand dollar visit. And yeah, most people just simply don't have it available Mm -hmm. is is the unfortunate Mm -hmm. truth. Yeah. And, you know, the the flip side and other realistic side is um, a lot of dogs that then get DCM are usually middle age to older. Mm. And, you know, then some people sit and think about that, that, well, hey, my dog's quality of life is dwindling, then, you know... How much time am I even going to buy trying to treat this condition? And, you know, there's just a lot of factors involved in it. So not only are there cases that are not diagnosed, but there's also then cases that we don't even really get to treat sometimes because owners then decide it's it's their animal's time and we're we're going to put them down. Mm-hmm. There's actually also another interesting point that that we found too. So a lot of the cases of other dogs of breeds that don't necessarily get DCM that that the FDA put in their report includes golden retrievers, Labrador retrievers, whippets, bulldogs, and Shih Tzus. And this is a family friendly podcast. <laughs> <laughs> That's a breed. Sorry, that was kind of a dad joke. Kind of. <laughs> but totally. Other things that are part of the report, they do talk about taurine. And for those that don't know what taurine is, taurine is an amino acid, which is a type of protein. And that is a an, an amino acid that is needed for muscle function as, as well as heart function. Nutritionists have found that this taurine is not necessarily classified as an essential amino acid for dogs because they can actually synthesize it from cysteine and methionine, which are two other amino acids, and then they can their body can metabolize and actually make taurine. Okay. Cats can't. Okay. It was actually a really big deal for the cat food industry. Many cats were dying of heart disease because there was a lack of taurine in their food. Yeah. They did note a correlation that many of the cases of DCM, in particular with golden retrievers, are taurine deficient. So those that may be concerned about their pet, um, especially with those with golden retrievers, may want to work with your veterinarian in getting 
taurine levels tested and maybe even an ultrasound of the heart for screening for DCM. Because sometimes, unfortunately, with DCM, we might not even really diagnose it until they're really sick with the disease. Because all of a sudden they can be fine, 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 and then all of a sudden be having having heart issues and then all of a sudden acting really sick with it. Um, Many dogs that were fed a grain-free diet had normal taurine levels that were tested, but still had DCM. And in their study, then those that were switched to a different diet then actually started to improve. So they're, yeah, the, the FDA is seeing a correlation. What these factors are, it's hard to tell. For some, it may be a taurine thing. There may be a lack of absorption. Who who knows? <laughs> so they, you know, essentially what they said in their report is that they're going to investigate things a lot further and um, look into what that potential correlation is. So, you know, with all that said, then what do we do about it? Yeah, that's, I was just going to like, so, so now what, right? <laughs> so now that's what? In, in my class, I always say that, like, after a lesson, I always have like a now what? Yeah. So now what, right? So like, we just what? got a crap ton of information. Yeah. What, what do we do about it? So I think as in particular for veterinarians out there is that they, they did encourage um, vets to report cases to use. There's an online portal through the FDA. They can actually report cases of DCM, but you have to be really thorough with your yeah. diet history and diagnosis of it and everything like that. So a lot of the cases that are actually being reported are from cardiologists because I am not a cardiologist. I do not know how to fully do a full echocardiogram to diagnose DCM. I have to send people to the specialist for that. So then, you know, as a general practitioner, yeah, maybe I might be able to test taurine levels and then, um, you know, essentially uh, transfer or refer people to a specialist for that. So maybe the specialist is going to be the one that would be doing the referral or the Mm -hmm. the reporting of it. Mm Mm-hmm. Another thing then is to pet owners is a big thing is to talk to your vet about your animal's nutrition. Talk to them about this. I am sure they have heard about it. <laughs> I, my my Facebook feed was blowing up. Mm-hmm. Not like on not on the teacher vet one, like on my yeah. personal one. All the vets that you know we learned mm-hmm. we we met through vet school. Everybody was all over this yeah, FDA thing. It's, it's a big, big deal. It is a big deal, and that's yeah. I mean, we were getting phone calls daily, and I get questions on it every single day, multiple times a day. So we 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 know about it, and we can talk to you about it. Yep. If you want to then discuss about changing that your dog's diet, I would I would definitely talk to your veterinarian. Because your dog may have a specific need um, or medical condition that that would definitely need, you know, that information. Yeah, because it's just it's just as important to say as much as we're kind of bashing on grain free a little bit and how people are so all over it. It's just as important to talk to your vet about because what if you are the small percentage that needs it, mm-hmm. right? And then that's okay, mm-hmm. right? And I think that that's kind of I don't want to jump too far, and, and I know you got other things you want to say, but. To me, that's kind of the end of it is I'm saying, be educated, make an educated decision that's not from some blog. And to be completely honest, don't even make the decision based off what you're listening to here. Like we're, we worked our butt off to give you educated pieces of information. But even then we say it right at the beginning, this is not medical advice, advice, go see your vet and talk to them because they, they really have your animals best interests at heart. And for those out there on the internet that still think that vets are making money from pet food companies pushing certain brands, you're wrong. Or if if anybody's making money off of any of this, it's the pet food companies. Yeah, that are marketing, marketing it out and to making you. it. Yeah. So, yeah. Anyway, talk to your vet. <laughs> we have training in nutrition. The blog bloggers out there that are you know keyboard computer experts don't (laughs) 
So other things too is the FDA is looking for industry help. So such as pet food manufacturers for their help in in trying to investigate this further. And you know the part that has bug, bugged me more than anything out of all this is everyone that you know even some of these companies that were listed and then their rebuttal I guess, to what the FDA said, (laughs) which is sad at, you know, a lot of them. It's kind of pathetic, really, their rebuttal of rather than saying, hey, okay, they're seeing this. We're going to look into this. And all they say is, well, the FDA doesn't know. They're just saying stuff because they have to and and all that. I, I feel that a reputable company dog food company that really does care about your pet and your pet's nutrition is then going to pay attention to this and do something about it Yeah. rather than just brush it off. Absolutely. Which I have seen reports that it seems like they're brushing it off and yep. just telling people to not even worry about it. And the FDA is causing fear and unnecessary fear and all this stuff. But because they know if people listen, it's going to hurt their bottom line. Mm-hmm. And they don't want mm-hmm. that to happen, obviously. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. But, again, just be smart about it and, and think about that. And, again, in choosing a food, you want to make sure there's the WSAVA feeding guidelines that are online for pet owners of making sure that the pet food company that, that your dog food is through is formulated by a veterinary nutritionist. They have veterinary nutritionists on staff. They also do feeding trials to prove that their food is effective and beneficial and healthy. They're not seeing DCM (laughs) in all their, in all their cases. And a big one that now I'm going to be even pushing is to see their marketing and are they really pushing ingredients over nutrients ingredients isn't necessarily the biggest thing but the nutrients is more important and ingredients being that's grain free yeah so it's fine yeah and it's also the buzzword it, yeah. bu- buzzwords sell. buzzwords yeah, yeah. buzzwords look sell. past that and it's hard to as a consumer sometimes look past that mm-hmm. and does that company in order to promote or or sell their food do they have to bash on other dog food um, or other products that are similar mm-hmm. to theirs? That then is usually the sign of a not awesome food yeah. <laughs> or, or reputable company, yeah. too, for that matter. I, I, I hope that this sometimes can, can reach those that we can help educate and kind of learn a little bit more. I know there are some people on the internet that we're absolutely not going to change their mind because they're set in their ways. And Mm -hmm. I am definitely no longer commenting on any (laughs) Facebook comments. It It obviously goes nowhere. And (laughs) the fact that I was trying to help out with their pet is means nothing, but you know, everybody again is very passionate about their food. And I know that people care about it and a lot of times that's what owners pet owners can control is their dog's food and so they are in that turn I think that much more passionate but just know that your veterinarian has the best interest in mind of your pet and that we want to help out in the best way possible we made an oath that (laughs) we are gonna be there to to help your animal and your pet and so rely on us for that yeah awesome i think you did a good job explaining it there's a lot of deep information there for people to digest and uh but that's that's not necessarily a bad thing um i think that uh that to kind of close it in my from 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 my side looking in from somebody who's not a veterinarian or or educated in in dog food in general is I'm I'm going to look at it as level-headed as I can and say grain-free isn't inherently bad. There are certain animals who need it, mm-hmm. right? And mm-hmm. just because something's not grain-free doesn't mean that it's better because there are not grain-free foods that aren't necessarily good. 
Mm-hmm. Right. So they're, oh yeah. They're, yeah. So we're not saying <laughs> there's that, definitely <laughs> just because now it's not grain free doesn't mean it's an awesome yeah, food it's, either. It's it's unfortunately I wish it was, but unfortunately it's not black and white. No. Right. The the key is that every dog's going to be a little bit different, and every dog's diet is going to be maybe a little bit different, mm-hmm. and and you need to find a high quality premium food. Whether it's grain-free or not is going to be personal choice slash meat with your vet. But you got to find that high-quality food that is not currently being investigated for potentially killing animals. <laughs> is the yeah. way I would say that. Yep. <laughs> but it would, it's just important to just be educated. So yeah. you're listening to this, which means you're in the right track to educating yourself there. Mm-hmm. Talk to the vet. I think we've said it 10 times. Yep. And I think that's good enough. And. Well, closing statement that I've been telling everyone is, yeah, they've noticed a correlation. We don't know exactly what's causing it. But, you know, if it were my own animal and I was on a grain-free, or not I, (laughs) (laughs) my dog was on a grain-free diet, I would consider, you know, potentially changing to something else because... I'm I'm not a huge risk taker with that. I don't want to play roulette and just hope that yep. my my dog might not get sick from it. So, mm. and no, it doesn't need to cause huge unnecessary panic. But we can kind of stop and think and say, okay, yep, we've noticed this correlation. Let's wait to see what further research does find us, and yeah, maybe consider a change if you want. Or need to. Yeah. Awesome. Well, before we close, uh, we can't forget to t- bring up our friends at the Our Take podcast. This podcast is brought hey. to you with support from them. Um, Brian and, and Spencer. Brian and Spencer. Uh, we've uh, talked about them each week. We'll continue to talk about them every week from there. Um, it's kind of a little bit of a, a little podcast group uh, that we're that we're forming a network, so so to speak. <laughs> but uh, talks about uh, recent political issues and uh, kind of have a comedic twist on that and um two guys that are just kind of fun to listen to mm -hmm. talk so they're really funny guys yep absolutely so uh with that said we've kind of uh spilled the beans on everything we've talked a lot and uh we can kind of call it a day yep so we'll see you next week all right